Welcome to On The Brink, a fresh lens to take you and your business to new heights. Remember, I'm Andy Simon. I'm your host and your guide. And I go looking for people who are going to help you get off the brink. Remember, our job is to help you see and feel and think about things through a fresh lens. So I'm an anthropologist. I help people change, whether it's as an executive coach or a consultant in your business. I help you see what's all around you that your mind might be fighting because it doesn't quite fit into the story that's there. Today, I have Riley Jarvis with us from Ottawa. The people come from across the world to be on our podcast, and it's so much fun. In fact, you've taken our podcast to be in the top 5% of global podcasts. Now, I don't know what that's a percent of, but in anything, I'm, I'm proud of it. We've also been publishing our 300th podcast. That wow. means it's four years of doing lots of good stuff. I know Riley has his own podcast and I was on his. But today we're going to talk about Riley. So let me tell you a little bit about him. Then he will tell you his own journey. And we're going to talk today about something you're not going to do today, which is sleep, which is really <laughs> important. Riley is the founder and CEO of the sleepconsultant.com. You're the sleep consultant. It's an organization that helps CEOs, entrepreneurs, and high performers transform their sleep to significantly improve their day, their life. You don't realize that the two are connected, but they're actually all one, and you are one, both at night and in, in person. He started this through his own health journey, and it's, he discovered that sleep was the missing link that brought everything together. It's an interesting story. After hacking his own biology by learning from top doctors in the field and furthering his own education on the subject, he developed a state-of-the-art approach. He'll tell you about his 10 tips and tricks to help you as well. Aims to get at the root of the issue. Now, we all know as we have matured, um, at times sleep is easy. And at times at two in the morning, we're wandering around the house wondering, how do I get back to sleep? <laughs> Not so hard, but it is hard. He had a background in the finance industry. He's been seen firsthand the consequences of sleep deprivation. And that means that you can listen today and know he's got something to get you off the brink. I want you to soar. So by the time we're done with our time together, you're going to say, oh, Riley, how do you help me sleep? And why should I? I want you to know why. Riley, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Andrea. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell the listeners your story. It's a great story. But I yeah. also know that until they hear it, they're not quite sure who is Riley and why should I listen to him? So credential yourself. Who are you? Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate the kind intro. So a little bit about me. Many, many years ago, well, I guess I should start to present day. I'm the CEO of The Sleep Consultant. And yeah, like Andrea said, I help CEOs, entrepreneurs, high performers really optimize their sleep, get more done in the day by, you know, optimizing the time that they do sleep into deeper wave sleep patterns. So when they do wake up, sleep translates into every single thing that we do, how we feel, the relationships we have, our focus, productivity. And if you're really able to get your sleep down, opposed to hustling to get more done, you can actually, you know, retain better focus, better memory, make better decisions. And you can just see it all throughout your personal and professional lives as uh, I've done with many clients. But starting with my story, we'll, we'll get back to this. It all started many, many years ago when I was working in the finance industry. And that's what I went to school for. I was working at private equity and kind of the investment banking world. And I mean, the hours, as anybody knows, are very arduous. It was, you know, waking up, getting to, to work about 7, 8 a.m. and like working until 10 p.m. until the deal was closed. And it was just day 
day in, day out, grinding sometimes 12 to 18 hours a day. And, you know, it's the kind of the only the top 1% survive and you have to be on your mental and physical peak in order to maintain that. But I just couldn't do it anymore. And I was in my early twenties at the time. And that's usually you would think like as a young, healthy male, when you have the energy to do all that, but there's something happening with me where I was making, making clumsy mistakes. I didn't have the energy. I just had constant brain fog and it just went on and on. Uh, long story short, I ended up having to, to be let go because I didn't know what was going on. I felt like a, a shell of my former self. Um, I was pretty good in school and I was a good worker and everything was going good up until that point. So I was forced to leave that. I was forced to drop out of classes and I, my health started to deteriorate pretty quickly. And when I went to doctor specialists, they really couldn't give me an answer. General practitioner referring me to all these different doctors. Anyway, months later, went to the uh, gastroenterologist. Turns out I had Crohn's disease, which oh. is inflammation of the bowels and all throughout your body. And it was pretty bad too. I mean, it was causing me to lose weight, lots of muscle, um, energy, brain fog, and all these things that were going on. And the inflammation that was inside my bowels was actually quite bad at the time. And the side effects and the medication that they were giving me were actually making me feel worse. And I couldn't even like to put that in perspective for me to write down a paragraph that actually made coherent sense took me about five to 10 minutes to do. And I just remember looking back, just like, I don't know how I function or operate in, in the world at the time. And I was bedridden essentially collecting massive piles of debt. Um, so I basically had to take health into my own hands with my back against the wall. And the way I did that was studying. I didn't really know sleep was the answer yet, but studying health, all the systems inside of our biology, like how does it work on a deep, deep level? And then I started investing in a lot of private um, natural doctors, functional medicine doctors um, around the world. I spent tens of thousands of dollars. And then sure enough, it was kind of month by month, year by year, I slowly started to see improvements and everything starts to get better. My brain fog lifted, my energy lifted. And then I, I, I remember getting to the topic of sleep. I'm like, hmm, let's give this a shot. So I started sleeping a little bit better and I had a sleep tracker at the time. And sure enough, I felt amazing the next day. And I was tracking all this. I was kind of a nerd with all the data that I would input into my book too on an Excel sheet. I mean, as a finance guy, I'm a numbers guy. So of course, you know, I'm going to have to do that. And uh, yeah, you know, I just sleep was the one that really transformed everything. And then sure enough, um, so the last five years, sorry. Did you discover that on your own or was there a physician that helped you with it or a shaman? I mean, you've got to many, <laughs> a lot of self-reflection on your part. I think it was just a lot of self-reflection on my part because I grouped it into like, I was looking at my hormones, my brain neurotransmitters, my gut and all these different things. And eventually I knew it was like, okay, on this month, I'm going to focus on sleep. And then, you know, you would track what those improvements would be. And those were higher than any other thing that I was doing before. And it was, it, I guess it turned out was because my body wasn't sleeping, restoring itself. And because the inflammation that was inside of me, it just it, better sleep just really helped repair and recover that. So as a result, um, fast forward to today for the last five years, the Crohn's has been in 100% complete remission. Doctors don't know why it's sort of funny when you go to see them, they, they don't know how to know how to make sense of it. So, you know, that's kind of the, the joke that I have with myself, but now, I mean, that's, that was my story and that's where I had a disease state. And I hope to inspire other people through my story People won't be on that extreme, but I want to show them that even if they feel tired, even if they're looking to improve their performance, they can absolutely do it with their sleep because sleep is one part that is so neglected as a society. We're always talking about it's a hustle culture. We have to like, why would we sleep when we can sleep less and get more done, drink coffee, get on with it. If we feel wired at nighttime, drink alcohol or sleeping pills to do that. It's just a lot of these things to mask a deeper problem that's going on. But in an ideal world, we wouldn't need any of this if our body was operating as it should. 
I mean, if you kind of go to the root of what, where it was actually coming from and for every person, you know, it's a little bit different. So that's where I help people now through my story. And I take people's results pretty personally because it's, it's just so interesting to see different people from walks of life. Sleep is that one thing that everybody needs that nobody can escape from. It's, it's like, one of the things that you can do, like you have to pay taxes, you have to sleep. And eventually one day you'll, you'll, you'll be in the grave, right? Those are the three things you can guarantee within your life. So why not optimize sleep is something you can do anyway. And what's amazing with sleep is you don't have to direct, like it's, it's not a drastic change to your, your existing lifestyle. I mean, if you look at your diet, like changing a diet drastically to lose all these lose these pounds if that's your goal. That's a lot of work. I mean, going to the gym and running, that's a lot of work, but sleep is something you're doing already anyway. And I've had people that, you know, have lost like 60 pounds just from fixing their sleep alone uh, without changing their, any other routines, just because the metabolism goes up. And that's just one example of many, but it's just amazing the power of sleep. Uh, what Pause for a second, Riley, because I'm, I'm reflecting as you're talking about um, and I want the listeners or the audience to think about things that they have seen or heard so they can make this extremely relevant beyond themselves. Because we're involved in Washington University in St. Louis. Um, and the, we had donated a room in the new athletic facility. And the athletic director, Anthony, had changed it from a study room to a resting room. He gave it a good name, better than I, I call it. What he found was that many of the athletes were proud of how little sleep they had. And so what he did was he changed the whole um, story, the whole narrative, so that rest was good mm. and sleep was good. And he didn't want to hear about how little they had because their performance, he also put in yoga, meditation, mindfulness, mind-body balance, and their performances all rose as they began to sleep. So just to Amazing. add a little, you know, story yeah. to your story, uh, yeah. around us in very awful ways because they were proud of it and celebrated how little they could get by, as if this was stoic and wonderful, <laughs> instead of this was killing them and, yeah. and was hurting their, their performance. So your program, as it evolved, did it just come up or you took some time? How, how much science is there here and how much Riley is there here? <laughs> That's a really good question. So yes, it did evolve over time. It's kind of a work in progress over the last five years because it started out helping people with sleep. It was just sort of local friends and then it was their parents and then friends of friends. And then I kind of got a local name for myself, but then it expanded nationally and now it's you know worldwide helping people virtually in group-based settings and one-on-one based settings. But it's all, it's all, it is a science because I mean, it's really nice that I don't do all the work myself and I can, I can lean on science a little bit to kind of help people what to do after spending millions of dollars into, you know, scientific, uh, rigorous testing and everything. So that's one piece of it, but a lot of it is with myself too, and on an applicable level, because yes, the science will tell you what you should do, but it's not always applicable to people's lives. And this is where you have to make it very easy for people. It's all about bite-sized pieces and making it fit into their model of, of the way they live their day-to-day life. Maybe they're so busy in the daytime with work and after work, they just don't have any hours in the day. And so it's like, okay, we'll just make the most amount of time that you have, like for any five, 10 minute pockets during your day, but other people will have more time. And sometimes those people get fast results and that's okay too. It just all depends where people are at. So you have to meet them where they're at and then guide them along the way. And when you're working with them, is each person unique or are there similarities and patterns that you begin to uncover 
or is it in their story? Is it in their uh, pre? I mean, we've all read about um, the the habits before you go to sleep. Take that hot bath. Don't get in front of the screen. You don't want blue screen. All kinds of how dos. And um, I love to meditate before sleep. I find it really mm. puts me into a deep sleep. And my sleep number bed tells me my heart rate variability goes way up, and I'm healthier. <laughs> and I meditate before sleep. What kinds of passive processes do you use? What kind of, which story do I use? What kind of processes? What kind of recommendations? How do you define it? Is it unique or are there patterns? Yeah, it's a really good question. So it's both actually. So there's a lot of overlap in between. So there are patterns and processes I do with everybody, but it all starts with usually initial call with them, them telling me what they're going through, what their background is. And based on what they tell me, I'm sort of looking at everything under the hood of their biology, seeing like what's going on at a hormone level, what's happening inside of their brain, what's happening here. And then based on that, we're going to, I'm going to custom tailor their protocol accordingly. I would say usually, you know, about 50% of the program, regardless when it comes to sleep is common, uh, like across the board. And then, you know, the the next 50%, we're going to custom tailor based on what somebody needs, um, how long have they been suffering for somebody who's, you know, in their twenties and they're looking to really improve the productivity. Maybe they want to build a business so they can travel the world versus somebody who's in their sixties, seventies, their goal is longevity and they want to live, you know, as long as they can with the the best well-being that that they can achieve for years to come. And that goal is a little bit different. So that's where we'll, you know, adjust things accordingly. As you and I had talked about, even my own situation, you you were really interesting to me in terms of the way the brain needs sleep and what it does during sleep, and and the ritual of what time you go to bed and when you wake up. You know, talk to us a little bit more about what's going on in your brain during that sleep sleep time. Yeah, that's another very good question. So our brain is a very complex machine, especially when it comes to sleep. And they and the science really points, like they really know what's going on with, with our diet, what's happening inside of our body and with the movement and exercise. We really have that down. But sleep is, to be honest, really in the infancy stages. And it's so interesting. Every day there's new science coming out about it. It's a, it's a really cool domain to be within. But in layman's terms, if I could simplify for people, it will be this is our brains run in 90 minute sleep cycles and our brain will start from a light sleep. So you can think of, you know, we go into something known as um, there's alpha and we go into delta and theta brainwaves. We go deeper and deeper. And and that's kind of like where you feel, you know, that meditative state. And then we go to a light sleep where somebody could wake us up, but we're still sleeping. Then we can go into the deep sleep and then REM sleep. And this is where we're getting that most amount of rejuvenation for our body and for our mind. Now, usually the first half of our sleep is repairing its majority deep sleep. So that's repairing our body. The second half of sleep is repairing our mind because it's more REM sleep dominant. And during REM sleep, we're doing a lot of things. Our brain's consolidating memories the day before. It's trying to make sense of our world and reality. And that's why we dream so much, even though it makes no sense. It's just trying to make sense of like, how do we navigate to the next day in the best way possible? It's got a lot of like evolutionary adaptations as well and stuff like that. And what happens is when a lot of people wake up in the middle of the night, they can't, they don't get that full REM sleep and sure their body's repaired. But, you know, if somebody goes to bed at 10 PM and they wake up at two, 3 AM, 
and they can't get to sleep, or maybe they do, they're not going to get that quality REM sleep that they need for the next day for their mind to fully operate. And then what do you know? They're tired the next day and they need to go for coffee to, you know, compensate for that. Well, now it's hard to get to sleep because you're stimulated and you know, it's just the ongoing cycle for a lot of people too. The other thing to keep in mind is our, because our sleep cycles are 90 minutes, we usually want to wake up every 90 minute cycle. So we don't wake up in the middle of a deep sleep, let's say. So for example, 90 minutes, three hours, four and a half, six hours, seven, seven and a half hours. A lot of people think like eight hours is a sweet spot, which it is. I mean, it's very good if we can get that over five hours, but the sleep usually seven and a half is better than eight um, for most people, but it depends. I mean, this is where self-experimentation comes in, but from, from simplistic point of view, that's what I'd say. What's interesting about what you're saying is what do we do to control that? It's hard enough to control a new diet or a new exercise plan, but a new sleep pattern where every 90 minutes and then I want to go seven and a half hours, uh, is it in my control, out of my control? What's the methodology for giving us more control over it? Help us. There's many things you can do. So what that really comes down to is all about the evening routine. A lot of the a lot of the time when we wake up in the middle of the night, it's because of a few things. One, it's either cortisol spikes, so our stress hormones will start to come up. The root cause of this, it could be a nightmare that we were having. It could be something inside of it. There's a lot of inflammation. Um, our brain neurotransmitters are just firing. We're thinking too much. Could be a, a myriad of things, and that's where you know working with somebody, getting to the root cause of what that might be. But just general low hanging fruit, I think now would be a good time. We can run through some of the top ten things that people can implement to start implement to having better sleep throughout the night, so they can minimize those interruptions and get to sleep faster and wake up more rejuvenated. Sound good? Yeah. Tell us about the top ten things, and I have a hunch when we're done. He's all Ryan is also going to tell you how you can get a hold of him in his top ten things. But give me the top ten things. I'm looking forward to hearing you. All right, let's go. So number one, we want to find out what our sleep animal sign is. And what that means is we are genetically wired to either be a morning person, a night person, maybe a combination of them all. And ideally, the best way to figure this out is by doing a genetic test. And this is one thing that I do run with my clients. But if you go to www.thepowerofwhenquiz.com, it's actually a questionnaire that you can answer and kind of get an idea, like, are you more morning or are you more nighttime? Because what we'd want to do is match what our chronobiology genetics are with our external sleep environments, because a lot of people, they stay up late, but they're actually genetically wired to be a morning person. And it's no wonder why they feel so sleepy in the morning sometimes. So it's, it's getting that match between the two. And when you do that with people, it's just amazing how, how much better they feel. Moving on to number two, we want to have no caffeine after 2 PM and 11 AM. If you're sensitive, I won't go into the details too much on that, but that's a big one. Cause you know, caffeine can stay inside of us for up to 14 hours. Now, let me emphasize that means no Coke, no chocolate, not just coffee and tea. Years and years ago, I was running a bank and I had a secretary who filled my cup up all day long. And so I couldn't go to sleep at night. I couldn't wake up in the morning. And then I went cold turkey for a week of headaches. And I haven't had caffeine (laughs) since. But I I mean, you don't realize how many ways caffeine and some people like the stimulant and others don't. So that's a good number two. Number three. Number three, we want to reduce blue light exposure two hours before bedtime. Recent study came out of infants who were exposed to one hour blue light prior to bed, reduced their melatonin by 99%. Now I could tell you adults is probably very similar to that. So melatonin is our sleep hormone that we knew you need to stay asleep, fall asleep and everything like that. So just be careful. You can also wear blue light blocking glasses, check it out on Amazon. Swanwick, Swanwick glasses are also another great option to use as well. What is blue light? Let's be clear. Blue light is. 
Blue light is a, a light frequency. So the light comes in many different light frequencies. We have red light, we have blue light, and it's based on a different spectrum. And different light um, wavelengths are more stimulatory than others. Blue light happens to be on the far end of the extreme. That, that is very stimulatory for our body and our brain. So it's good in the morning, like when we go outside and we get the sun coming through from that the blue light there, we feel energized, ready to go. But at nighttime, we don't want that too much. We want more of that red light form. Um, and that's why when you see a lot of these blue blocking glasses, they're tinted red because it, it stops that blue light from coming into your eyes as much as possible. And is that from your computer screen or from anywhere? Great question. So it's from your computer screen. It could be from your phone. It could be from the lights around in your house. It could also be while you're asleep as well. Uh, any, any cable boxes, uh, clocks, uh, fans, because even when our eyes are closed, we actually have light receptors around our eyes that can detect any forms of light. So in an ideal world, this is a little unrealistic for some people, but we would it would be so dark we, where we couldn't see our hand in front of us. And that's what we want to aim for. But do the best that you can. Put on those masks that I have that I don't wear often. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go take it. This is fun. All right, let's go on to number four. This one's pretty self-explanatory. We want to sleep in a cool bedroom environment. So Fahrenheit, that's about 67 to about 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Celsius, about 18 to 20 degrees um, or below if we can. Um, and the reason is, is our bodies sleep best in just a cool temperature in a 24-hour period. It's coolest around, you know, 2, 3 a.m. So we want our environment that's conducive to that. And now a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. That's us. And we're here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. Whether you are an organization that's stuck or stalled, or an individual in that organization who's looking to rethink their own life's journey, Simon Associates has designed programs and processes to help you do just that. Our first book, On the Brink, A Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights, told the stories of seven clients who were stuck or stalled, and a little anthropology helped them see things through a fresh lens reignite their growth, and soar again. My new book that came out in January 2021 is called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. It's all about how 11 women, including myself, were able to see past the hurdles, the glass ceilings, and the brick walls and become the best that they could be. They heard things like women aren't lawyers and women can't lead and women aren't in geosciences. And they said, of course we are. And they really pushed through and did it with such ease that they want other women to see what's possible. At the end of the book, I provide a bit of a how-to process for you. If you're on the brink of rethinking your own life's journey, it's time to pause, step back, and ask yourself, where am I going? What's my passion and my purpose? And am I there or can I get there? Send us your emails to info at andysimon.com and we'll get right back to you to see how we can help. On andysimon.com are some free chapters for both books, and you can also join our newsletter and our Facebook group, Rethink with Andy Simon. We are bringing together women to help other women do what they can't do by themselves, very often to see what's possible and become the best that they can be. Come join us. And now, back to our podcast. I must confess, though, when it's minus one out, as it has been here in Ottawa, <laughs> and I open my window a little bit to let that cool air, and it feels wonderful for a yeah. while. 
I'm not quite sure how cool I want it, but I agree with you because I sleep much better when it's cool. I prefer the air to come in. So yeah. that's why I hate hotels. You can't let any air in. It's an awful place. To I know. Sleep. That's just it. But so, the other thing is when it's cool like that, it, I mean, especially in the wintertime where me and you are, is it's uh, hard to get out of bed in the morning because it's it's warm <laughs> on your sheets, but outside it's very difficult and cold, very- especially if we, if we have to get up to go to work first thing. Yes, please continue. Um, number s- number five is we want to just completely black out our bedroom as much as possible. So this just goes into what I was saying before: TVs, cable boxes, fans, any of the anything that's producing light inside of your bedroom. Just try you can put you know duct tape over it, whatever you, whatever you want to come up with that can just really help you um, you know throughout the nighttime to not wake up. Number six, um, we do not want to eat any heavy meals you know, about three to four hours prior to bedtime. And the reason is because we have a meal, a lot of that, our, our body resources will be digesting that food instead of repairing our body when we need it to it can cause, you know, blood sugar spikes um, and drops. And our body just wants to stay in like the safe zone. It doesn't want to go too much, too high or too low. And that's, what's really important there. So if you can do that, that's really good. So if you're going to bed by, you know, 10 PM, having your last meal, maybe five, six o'clock, that would be a good sweet spot. Any longer, people may notice that they don't sleep that well. So if you are eating uh, later, close to bed, try reducing that, reducing the hours um, or increasing the hours um, prior to sleep. And you should notice a difference. Number seven, we, along the same lines, we don't want to do any intense exercise four to five hours prior to sleep. And this goes because it increases our, our, stimulatory um, hormones, cortisol, um, and everything else that goes along with it increases our body temperature. So you can go for a walk at nighttime. That's great. But any intense exercise, lifting weights, a lot of the people that I work with are, you know, high-performing, high achievers who's looking to gain a ton of muscle and working out in the evening at nighttime isn't really necessarily for all of them. It impacts their sleep directly. So, you know, saving for the afternoon is a good place to do it as well. Number eight, uh, this is one of the most interesting ones is a lot of people think that that good sleep is all about the evening routine, but equally, it's also about the morning routine. And it's because we need to train our body to know when just naturally is it time to wake up and when naturally is it time to go to bed. And if we can get the morning routine down, what we'll find is we'll just naturally start getting tired in the evening when we're supposed to, that our body is supposed to get tired. And what that causes for us to wake up with an abundance of energy. It's not an overnight process, but the way we do it is when we first wake up, Within the first hour, I would say is we go go for a walk outside and expose your eyes to the sun. Don't wear sunglasses um, for about 15, 20 minutes. It's a great place to start. Where I am, there's not too, too much sun. Um, what we want to do is you can buy, you know, on Amazon, there's something known as Lumi lights. They, they have 10,000 lux. Um, that's just the light uh, meter um, that comes into your eyes. And that can really help too if you just do that 20, 30 minutes um, in the morning. Number eight, uh, this one is probably one you're familiar with, Andrea, is we want to do a, a meditation or guided meditation 20 minutes before bed. Um, great resource on this, actually. I mean, YouTube has so many good free resources. They're called the Honest Guys on YouTube. Um, Sam Ovens is another one that's really good as well. Um, but yeah, those are great resources. Number 10, we have no alcohol about 46 hours prior to sleep. A lot of people drink alcohol to try and wind down prior to bed, which, you know, you with, would make sense. And I did that in my early sleep journey too. I'm definitely guilty of that. But what it does is it, it directly uh, natively impacts your REM sleep and actually affects um, your sleep quality in a negative way. Yes. It's interesting because if we are out for dinner and we have a glass of wine or or a scotch, um, two and three in the morning, I'm all wound up. 
as opposed, and I go to sleep, but I don't stay asleep. It's not good for the the whole night. The the other thing is um, people don't fully understand that during sleep, your mind is processing, and you said it at the beginning, I want to emphasize it, your mind's processing all the things that happened during the day before. Mm -hmm. And it's thinking about, you know, my meditation tape says you cannot do anything about yesterday. Tomorrow hasn't happened yet. You're in the moment. Stay in the moment and let your mind go quiet. Breathe deeply. You know, get into a moment where you're not thinking about anything. You are just being. And I, you know, feel whatever you're sitting on or sleeping on or, you know, begin to just get away from from time and space. I find it's very interesting because your mind is looking for that quiet. So it can do its stuff. Because it has a whole lot of work to do all night long to make sense of everything that you put into it so that you wake up in the morning fresh with a a great perspective. I find that my morning is my best thinking time, my best writing time, my best um, things wake up in the morning and say, oh, that's how I'm going to solve that problem. My complex Mm. problem solving is first thing in the morning. And and we're five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, wake up people. And so we're raring to go. Um, come seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, everything's quieting down, and you're ready yeah. to um, let the mind have a little time off for good behavior. Um, yeah. They're physically needed as well, as you discovered with your Crohn's disease, didn't you? Yeah, that's just it. Yeah, it, it, the sleep is so important for repair, and what you were saying is very true. That old adage of sleep on it. I mean, it's actually true. If you if you yes. utilize your subconscious mind, and there was a really good book, Psycho Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. And he talks about the power of the subconscious mind. Sometimes like, do you ever get that feeling where you just a brilliant idea pops into your mind when you're in the shower, you're not thinking too much. Well, that's your subconscious mind working in the background. We don't consciously always have to be thinking to do that. And with our sleep, it's the same thing. If we can't figure out what a problem is, sleep on it, our unconscious mind, our brain will work on the problem. And we usually wake up with the answer. And and don't, I want you to emphasize that because if we sleep on it, um, your mind isn't going away. It's actually yeah. making a lot of work going on during that time to help you yeah. solve that complexity that you've got. The worst thing you could do is sit up all night trying to figure it out. That won't work at all. <laughs> yeah. As I found out in, when I wrote my exams, trying to pull all nighter is not a good idea. I mean, I pulled those also and I got through them and I got good grades, but I don't remember a thing that I was supposed to do. Retention. Oh, Lord, I got through it. But this is an interesting time because I don't need to pull all-nighters, but I do need to get good sleep, as most of us do. And, And to your point, I have a friend who goes to bed at midnight, wakes up at 10 in the morning. That's a good time for her. Um, by 10 o'clock in the morning, I've already gone through four hours of day. And I, yeah. I know not to call her before 10 o'clock. Yeah. I can imagine wasting my morning. I love dawn. It's my favorite yeah. time of the day. It's a birthday yeah. time. Yeah, it's amazing. Before the world starts to wake up. I completely relate. I'm a morning person as well. And when my puppy and I go for when it's warm, we go for the early morning walks. It's the best time. It's sort of it's exhilarating. So Riley, this has been such fun. As you're thinking about wrapping us up, a couple of things you want our listeners and our audience to remember. And I'd love you to then tell them how to get a hold of you. Absolutely. It's pretty simple. They can go to www.thesleepconsultant.com. On side of there, you can see everything that we offer. We have a free uh, sleep assessment questionnaire. So you can see on a scale of one to 10, where do you fall? And based on where you fall, I have specific trainings that you can utilize as well. Um, I'll send directly to your email um, that you have. I mean, I just keep you in the loop with newsletters, with um, 
you know, sleep tips and all these other things. If you want to reach out to me directly, you can reach Riley at the sleepconsultant.com. And Riley is R-I-L-E-Y. And, yes. and Riley also has his podcast, which I will be on. What is the name of your podcast? It is called the uh, Sleep for Side Hustlers. And we show people how to utilize sleep in order to improve their productivity. It could be for an entrepreneur, but it really could just be for everybody. Because again, everybody needs better sleep. So we talk about different modalities and everything to do on there too. My last question is about kids. Does your methodology work for children as well? And should it? Uh, it does. It's just with children, you have to be a lot more careful. They're usually more sensitive to certain things. They need to be more um, uh, just more aware. And children, for that reason, are my specialty. That's where you, you know, you you have infant um sleep specialists who do that. But um, yeah, it's it is a similar approach. It's just you have to be a little bit more careful with some of them as well. Because I certainly remember raising my daughters and trying to get into habits. And they abandoned them, of course, when they turned into teenagers. But uh, <laughs> I think they've recovered over the years. Um, but, you know, parenting is important, but sleep is important for the parent and for the kids. And if you can get them into good habits, um, yeah. they can build up whatever that natural piece is. Uh, even right. if they just sit in bed and read until they're ready to quiet down and go to sleep. Yeah. So it's, a, it's important. And then the morning rituals become extremely important. So think about yeah. this intentionally. And that will give you purpose and meaning and fun. Well, I've had Riley Jarvis from Ottawa here today from a really important topic of how do we get a good night's sleep, but why should we? And why should we work at it? It's hard enough Mm -hmm. to get the day done. Do I have to work at night also? Well, yeah, it might be better for you during the day. So it's been great fun. A last thought, Riley, and then I'll wrap us up. Last thought for me would be, we want to be, so if I were to give three quick top points for people to utilize throughout their day, the first one would be obviously sleep. We don't want to think about hustle in order to get ahead. We want to think, let's improve our biology first through better sleep. And then through that, we'll be able to experience life in a much more effortless way, better relationships. We can focus more and that just manifests into whatever, you know, material outcomes we want in our lives. Maybe it's more money, maybe it's better relationship with our, with our kids, becoming a better leader in the workplace. So that would be one. We want to think about that instead of pushing to get ahead, drinking more coffee to get ahead. That's one of it. Um, the second one is we want to be very intentional with the hours that we have to us in the day. It's all about energy management and output. So once we figure out if we're more of a morning or a nighttime person, we really want to optimize like you said, I get the best work done first thing in the morning. So for, we call them the morning, the morning lark, they usually get their best work done. You know, that requires the most cognitive heavy tasks, um, between 10 and 10 AM and 12 PM. And then, um, you know, as the morning, as the day goes on, we want to save just maybe, maybe it's just general meetings for stuff like that. And number three, I would say is if we can prioritize, um, reducing, you know, just overall lifestyle inside of our, of our day. And that could be better diet, better exercise, all these just different things, but baby stepping it, whatever works best for us, as long as you can, as long as you can be better today than yesterday, then you're in the right place. Well, and I do think you have to measure monitor and give it some a way of calibrating that there's progress going on. If not, yep. you'll go, the habits will take over and take you back to where you didn't want to be. And the yep. new will have a hard time getting embedded into new habits and uh, sleep isn't casual. It's real important. So thank you for today's great conversation. Thanks so much, Andrew. A uh, pleasure. Let me wrap up for all our listeners. Thank you. Remember, info at andysimon.com is where you can send us your ideas. 
We get tips and tricks from across the globe, new people to speak to, and I always enjoy bringing them to you. My job is to get you off the brink. Remember my books, both of them are available at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and your local booksellers. And Rethink is going gangbusters. So thank you for all of that support. Rethink Smashing the Myths of Women in Business is all about women who smash those myths and they are doing extremely well. It's a year gone now and I am excited to celebrate one year celebration a year. And it's just, it's just cool. Uh, I'll see you next week. It's been fun. Take care. Goodbye, Raleigh. Thank you again. Bye, Andrew.